So who talks first? You talk first? I talk first. everyone and welcome to another episode of who talks first i'm one of your hosts i am ct and today we are not joined by solo we are joined by our friend ian if you would like to introduce yourself hello i'm ian i'm on a youtube channel with some friends called fresh baked disney we go to disneyland every weekend show you what's cool with the park have a just appreciate have a good time and then it gets uploaded through the week so if you want us going on to disneyland subscribe to fresh baked i'm having ian on this week because there's been a lot of star wars books that i have read recently that i really want to discuss and solo has not read them herself so i really just wanted to spend the time and talk about it with somebody who has read them ian luckily lives close by he's my batu buddy and I'm yeah. sure we'll probably break into a theme park discussion at one point. In Int- the... Intentionally or unintentionally. <laughs> I know, it's just going to happen. We're just going to talk about Batu. That's what we've been doing for the last half hour anyway. So, More or less. Um, I'm bringing him on the show today to sit in on my apartment floor to talk about these books, how we feel about them, and uh, talk about some of our other books we've come across, which you were the ones who actually got uh, handed the promotional content for galaxy's edge which were a crash of fate and is it just called black spire it's or black called Sp- star wars galaxy's edge black spire all right and that's because fresh bait got to go to the media event and part of the media swag bag were the copies of the books so that's the my disclaimer <laughs> and you know transparency how i got the books legitimately. <laughs> here we go i promise it's legitimate <laughs> yes we won't be spoiling uh we won't do, be doing spoiler talk those Oops. will be the last books we discuss but we'll do a short little talk in- about them. impressions and such yeah because i i am curious about how like you think the difference would be for people who've been to Batu reading mm-hmm. the books versus people who haven't been to Batu. So I think first and foremost, I want to talk about the Dooku stuff. So you, because I mean it's my boy, uh, good old Count Dooku. So the you've you've done both Jedi Lost and yes. Master and Apprentice, correct? Yes, yes, yes. So I think we should start with let's do Jedi Lost because that came out first, right? Did it? Master Apprentice came out first, but I mean Dooku happens chronologically first. All right, then let's talk about Dooku Jedi Lies yeah. first. So this is the first in the new EU audio drama, I believe? Yeah, so far it's only released as an audio drama. There's, like, rumor of it getting a print, but, a, like, a printed book. But otherwise, it was released specifically as an audio drama with, like, a full cast, not just one narrator doing 20 voices. Mm-hmm. Because I think even, like, Del Rey did, like, a cheeky wink emoji at people who are asking for the a scripted version. Mm-hmm. Which... Preferably, I think I needed. So I want to talk about the concept of audio dramas in itself. So you are a person who is more drawn to audiobooks. I've, it's a lot easier for me to spend time doing audiobooks than reading a physical book. It's just I never find the time for an actual book. But otherwise, I've gone through, I think, every current canon book on Audible, except for like uh, Twilight Company and Lords of the Sith. Yeah. But otherwise, I've gone through all of them because I can easily knock them out in a couple weeks just going to work. And I enjoy it. You get sound effects, you get music, though the music has gotten a little repetitive after so many books, but I think that's just due to the Weber licensing deal, the music they had at the time. Mm-hmm. I do think they have really, I've, I've do, I'm kind of split between what I listen to audiobook and what I read 
uh, sitting down. Like, for example, with Master and Apprentice, I actually did it split. So I, when I was home alone, not doing anything, I would read the book. But when I was out walking, I would just start it at the place where I was in the book, flipping back and forth. And with the books that I know I want to have a harder time paying attention to, I do the audiobooks. So, for example, Thrawn. Um, and most in the second two aftermath books, I believe. I, there's certain things I definitely choose audiobooks for. And I and a lot of times I reread using audiobooks. Mm. So with Bloodline, I just finished rereading, quote unquote, with the audiobook. Because that is, to this day, still my favorite Star Wars book. Um, so being able to re-listen to it. And I think they, they really have wonderful narrators. Yeah. I mean, Mark Thompson is so a legend. Good. He is a legend. And all the other people they get are generally usually good. Every now and then it'll be someone, I don't want to call them a celebrity narrator, but someone you know who's like a voice from something. Mm-hmm. And they're currently a little less, they're less used to it. Yeah. So their voices tend to blend a little more than you'd like. Yeah. Because because uh, like January Lavoie tends to do the voices for characters from a female point of view while mark thompson tends to do the ones that are more from a male point of view or the more generic because i think he did both the novelizations yeah and then jonathan jonathan davis does a few and there's a couple other people here and there who do them but yeah generally if it's thompson so good yeah spot on his thrawn and his obi-wan are like so good legend yeah he's amazing like but, now, when I watch the movies and I read the opening crawl, I imagine Mark Thompson's voice, and at the end, I I, I insert "Read for you" by Mark Thompson. Read for you by Mark Thompson. Audible hopes you enjoyed this program. <laughs> they need to do that at the end of every Star Wars movie. Yeah. So with Jedi Lost, this was the first audio drama. I I definitely enjoyed it, but it was harder for me to follow than most audiobooks, and I think it's because, for me personally, because of the way it was an audio drama. Very rarely do they specify who's talking. Yeah, because there's no he said or wow, he replied surprise. There's just, they just talk. Yeah. And it got really hard for me to tell the difference between Count Dooku and Sifo Dyas because... At least when they're young. Yeah, when they're young, especially. Because I'm like, all right, who's talking who? Who's who's struggling with this? Who's mm-hmm. not being picked for this? So I kind of got a little confused there. Because I'm not sure if this was something that only bothered me. But Dooku didn't sound like Dooku. No, not as much as I would have liked. Like, when he's young, it's I can always excuse him more because yeah. he's young and people's voices change. But adult Dooku, it, it gets closer, but it's still not quite where you expect it to no. be. because especially because Christopher Lee has such a defined yeah. voice. And even when people like Corey Burton mimic it, mm-hmm. it's very close to what that sort of, the way Lee emphasizes words, the way he enunciates. Mm-hmm. I was actually a little surprised they didn't get the voice actors for Clone Wars to do it. I wonder yeah, if they asked I, I at kinda, all. I was kind of expecting that, and then it, it wasn't yeah. anyone. I mean, they, they were all talented people. but Oh, yeah, definitely that. But I was it, like, oh, it, okay, it's not Corey Burton. Yeah. Alrighty. It, it definitely, he was not trying to mimic Christopher Lee necessarily. While I think Ventress was pretty, Ventress was pretty yeah, close. Yeah, but no, Ventress was definitely. I knew it was Ventress. Uh the one who just really threw me off was Dooku, which is unfortunate because... Also, 60-year-old teenage Qui-Gon. <laughs> that... Yeah, but, but that's, like, part of what was so thrown off is that, like, yeah. Qui-Gon went hard on sounding like 40-year-old yeah. Qui-Gon as a child. I mean, it means you know it's Qui-Gon. I'll give him that. It means you know it's yeah, Qui-Gon because he's the only person with a slightly Scottish accent. <laughs> but but he do- sounds a lot older than he should at yeah. that time. Like, and again, it's not something that's going to break your your enjoyment, but, oh, it, no. but it does throw you off a couple of times, right? You sound like a grown man. You, and you're you a sound teenager. like adult, 40-year-old Qui-Gon. Meanwhile, Dooku never sounds like the Dooku we know. Yeah. But meanwhile, Qui-Gon comes out of the womb sounding like Liam Neeson. 
like he just came out with a full Scottish brogue. Yes. Dooku Jedi Lost follows the story of Ventress and while I actually wrote a fan fiction like this once, not gonna lie, I never published it because I'll <laughs> never publish any fan fiction that I ever wrote, but where Ventress is uncovering some of Dooku's like hollow logs and other things from across the time and he, she is learning about his past mm-hmm. and he with a she's on a assassin mission to find Dooku's sister, Jenza. Yes. And I really I really liked Jenza a lot. It was really cute. Also, did you get those like Star Wars incest vibes? A, a couple times where I'm like, all right, this is, I don't think there's a, they're trying to imply that they're this close, but oh, that's there. <laughs> I'm just like, you guys really had like the one mistake with Luke and Leia and just kept driving it home. I mean, it happened so many times with the Clone Wars where I would start being like, oh, I kind of ship this. And then later on, they'd be like, oh, surprise twist. This is my brother. Like with Stila and, oh, and uh, Saw. Saw. Oh, yeah, because no. you don't know they're related. And so you kind of think it's this weird jealousy thing that's happening. Yeah. And you're like, oh, ooh, man. And then she storms out. It's like, that's my brother to Lux. And you're like, okay, well. Like, well, that took a turn. That took a turn. Here, here, here we are thinking that there's some jealousy thing playing out. And uh, that's your brother. Even like... The Mortis siblings. I mean, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Luke and Leia really set a precedence for awkward sibling relationships. Yeah. But my personal favorite character in uh, Dooku Jedi Lost was Saifu Diaz, personally. Yeah, I kind of wish we got more of him, actually. I mean, I, it's not his book. It's not his story, so yeah. I get it. They're, if it was supposed to be about Saifu Diaz, it'd be called Saifu Diaz, How I Went Insane. I love this. And I've, I've talked about this on the podcast a few times, so I don't mean to sound like a broken record, but I'm going to. Because I really liked how they they talk about his premonitions. And, I mean, it's been a big theme in Star Wars is that the knowledge of the future is what makes you cause it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, Anakin does this, clearly. He has visions of the future, and those visions and the paranoia about those happening is what leads him to inevitably cause those visions mm-hmm. to happen. And then you have someone like Saifo Diaz, which before this, really, and a few mentions in Clone Wars, all we really knew about him is that he is the one who uh, ordered the clone army. Yeah. We had some sort of vision that he went he went crazy. He's like, I'm going to secretly order an army. Yeah. It'll be cool. Everyone will be fine with it. But... Which also came out of a typo in the script. <laughs> Because it was supposed to be Sidious, right? Yeah, like, it was supposed to be like the Kaminoans didn't know how to pronounce Sidious's name, so it was like a Sido Dias or something. Yeah. There's a typo, and then they then. Oh. And, but Lucasfilm and Lucas being who they were at the time said, nope, that's definitely a separate character. They had to just stuck to, to the guns and in. roll with it. All right, I, yeah, Which would have been a fun that. twist to be like, oh, Sidious ordered the army because he knew what he was going mm-hmm. was coming. I liked the idea. They're like, nope, it's a different character. All right. All right. Here we go. Like my other favorite Jedi, the I'm a Goondi. Oh, I'm gonna die. die. Yeah. <laughs> I, Star Wars and names. It ain't subtle. They ain't subtle, man. No. Here we are. So, uh, with the Saifo Diaz, because I really liked how, like, because potentially, we don't know a ton of details, but if he had these premonitions of the future, of this giant war, he inevitably caused the war by mm. preparing for it. So he's like, oh, this giant droid army is going to come, yeah. and we need to prepare for it. So, we're going to... I'm going to make all this giant clone army. I'm going to tell the Kaminoans I'm a Republic person who can pay for all this, and they'll accept that. <laughs> totally cool. They got it. It makes sense, right? Yeah. Absolutely. But I, I really like Saifu Diaz, but also I'm a, I'm a sucker for characters that are kind of 
teetering on the edge of sanity sometimes. Well, it also points out that because, like, his, I'm blanking on the name of his master. It was like... Uh, oh, Lean Costana, yeah, right? Yeah, Lean Costana. Oh, pulled so, it out of my ass. Yeah, so without... Do you want to get to the story then? Yeah, tomorrow? yeah. Because, okay. like, Lean realizes that the Council have a place, the Citadel, which we saw in Clone Wars, where they send the crazy Jedi. Mm-hmm. who have been getting crazy visions because they don't want to deal because the Jedi Council's like, no, we're not dealing with visions. We're going to send you there. You're going to get fixed. And she doesn't want that to happen to mm-hmm. her apprentice because that's not a healthy way to deal with things. Nope. But because that happens, he never gets the actual help he needs, which almost speaks to, again, their way of it, trying to pretend yes. problems aren't happening results in more harm, both in terms of mental health and actual war later on there oh god <laughs> here i am like oh the jedi suck so much <laughs> they're all yeah so we still have the idea of what they're supposed to be yeah and i i really like how they're doing this is because you like lean's actions like definitely make sense that she doesn't want to like all of this to happen to her yeah because she, she, she sees the vision she's like no i've seen this i get yeah. it you guys should be listening to him because you because you won't i now have to hide that, that this is happening mm-hmm but at the same time, through, I mean, this happens several Actually, times. That, and now. a similar scenario comes up later on the story. Yeah. And because I, I really did like Lee and Costana a lot. I would be interested to see more from her and Sifo. Because mm-hmm. I actually, I did like their dynamic. I liked uh, Dooku and Genza. I, I do just find in general interesting that both Master and Apprentice and Jedi lost skip over Dooku becoming, like, evil. You get the hints in both, yeah. but they skip over that corruption part of it. No, they just He gets kinda... two books that can focus on him a little bit, at least. They lean more into the disillusionment side rather than the turning dark side side. They're, they'd rather lean into the... Which I'm also okay with. <laughs> yeah. They'd, they're, they're, I think it's just they're more interested in the why did he stop caring about the Jedi themselves rather than why did he join up with Sidious. Mm-hmm. I think they're more interested in that, which... I think that's probably also on the more inter- the that words the more interesting part of it. Mm-hmm. Actually, I I do I completely agree with you because I think a a missed mark not a missed mark but for the audience with the Last Jedi is a lot of people hadn't been disillusioned to the Jedi yet. Yeah. And I think a big part of the prequels is trying to get you to be a little bit disillusioned to them. Oh, no, yeah, I think that's one hundred percent the point. The, of uh, it. Yeah, I'm not even saying yeah. I think that's the point. Yeah. Execution maybe a little clumsy yeah. at times, but, but I, it is that is the there. intent. That is definitely the intent, and especially the point of the Clone Wars. And they're like, hey, they're kind of shady. And so I think that was a big point of not everyone totally understood that. So mm-hmm. when they see The Last Jedi and they see how disillusioned Luke has become towards the Jedi, they only see where Luke was in the original trilogy mm-hmm. before George had written the prequels and kind of... Which uh... before Luke studied up on the Jedi. Yeah. So I, I really like that they're still focusing on that now mm. is that the jedi are still there there needs to be changes within the, within the yeah. jedi because they meant well but got so bogged down by their own dogma that they became arrogant and, and became so fearful restrict, of their leaders as well yeah. like the council because let's let's talk about but the book the part in the book that both of us were sort of referencing before i'm pretty sure of the so. baby right yep. yeah um this was actually my one of my favorite parts in the book again if I needed to say it one more time in case you forgot. I love anything that kind of shows how crabby the Jedi were. Mm. Because there's a point in the book where I am forgetting the names of these characters. Yeah, because this is the only first time we've seen them, and they're not in the book a ton. So. Yeah. But one of the masters on the council who's generally been really harsh on people, 
and the one other Jedi who I want to say was a was it a, was he a friend of Dooku's or someone Dooku had known as a kid? I think. I th- I think they yeah I think the one who the the kid who was addicted to gambling right and got into a lot of gambling yes. trouble. Yes, that was it. Yeah. So yeah, they they go to a place where he this Jedi had gotten in himself into trouble with a crime syndicate yes. or a gambling syndicate, and um, one of the other Jedi steps in to kind of save his ass, and it happens time and time again. And you kind of wonder why this one specific lady Jedi is pretends to be really harsh on everyone else. Yeah, is going so far out of her way to protect this one certain Jedi, and it is revealed that. She is his mother. Because she was a seeker who, and Duke's like, what better cover? You're supposed to go out and find a youngling, and you're away for a long time. Oh, look, you came back. Look, you happen to have brought back a youngling. How crazy is that? That's normal. But your protection of them isn't normal. It's heartbreaking, because I I love the scene where uh, they're addressing the council, and Yoda's like, no, she should have told us. We would have been there for her. And Duke was like, no, you wouldn't. Like, the, the hell you say? Me? No, you wouldn't have. And if, and if that, and, she and, was and, so afraid. Yeah, if you really think you would have, you really need to work on your marketing here because <laughs> she sure didn't think you would. No. And there's several examples throughout just even this of you guys being like, mm, I don't think so. Mm, not about this. Yeah. Mm, not supposed to do this. And I think that's unbelievably tragic that a like, a mother and their child, like, they had to keep that a secret. Yeah. And she was too afraid to say anything about it, that she had gotten herself into a little bit of a predicament in the Jedi. And this was someone on the council. Yeah. It wasn't like it was someone who's not even on the council, doesn't know any of them personally. Someone who's on the council and still didn't trust the rest of them. Oh, it's... It's... Oh, it's so good. And I, in the I really, worst way. <laughs> it's so good in the worst way, absolutely. Yeah, I'm not saying, like, yeah, yeah I'm glad you. the Jedi Council did this. But since since we are getting into the point, like, I know these books aren't uh, Journey to Tross books, mm. but I'm glad these themes are still pretty prominent yeah. in the books because I, I really just want them to address that the Jedi, we can't just be like, the Jedi are back and they weren't wrong at all. I mean, I want to believe eight was the addressment of that. I want to believe that, but we have still several months to be stressed about it. <laughs> yeah, I, I just feel like not a lot of people got it, you know. Yeah, well, that's their problem. Yeah, that's you're not wrong. You're absolutely not, not wrong. But uh, overall, I I enjoyed Jedi Lost, but I do think I am one of those people who is looking forward to the script version. Because I mean, certainly it'll be easier to review and we'll go back over rather than searching an audiobook trying to find yeah. the line. Because there were a lot of parts that I was like confused during. So there, I mean, it is a lot of flashbacks because it is Ventress uncovering these different holologs, learning about Dooku when he was younger. And then he, she's on this mission to find a sister. And then at the end, it reveals Dooku's just trying to kill a sister. Yeah. And you're sad about that. But again, you missed the big chunk of where it all went wrong. Yeah. But I, I like what actually, you were saying about it's not about the corruption, it was about the disillusionment. Yeah, because there's also like two That's times... That's Because the there's like two times when Dooku, like they, they stop some catastrophe on a planet and then the Jedi and the public are like, all right, we're here to help. You guys got that really valuable resource, right? We're here to help and take care of that. Definitely for not just the people, for the monster. I mean the people, not just the monetary. Yeah. And Dooku's like, yeah, nah, I got this. I'll take care of my planet. You can leave now and you can tell him I'm not coming back. Yeah. 
Oh, I love Dooku. So good. He's getting so much good, like, little development areas. I'm just so proud of my boy. Christopher Lee would be proud. I, I hope so. I'm proud of him. I mean, he played boy. him as a, a very sort of, again, as an idealist who was mm-hmm. just tired of the way things were. So yeah. I, think, I think Lee would have liked that. Yeah. And, I mean, Dooku has been one of my favorite characters since the moment he revealed what everything what was going on to Obi-Wan. No, yeah. And that's, I mean, that's why I like a chunk of the dark side characters. I don't actually like a whole bunch of them. I really like Dooku, and I really, I'm okay to Kylo, partial, you know? You know, so-so. You can <laughs> so, take so. him early. He's it's there. Fine. But I really love characters, I mean, uh, and this is a running thing in Star Wars, is that the dark side characters tend not to blatantly lie a lot. No, they just frame things in ways that you don't want to hear, or that you do want to and is enticing, one or the other. Mm-hmm. And so in this case with Dooku, he was like, yeah, Sith is running your Senate, and, uh, Here's your opportunity to join me. Yeah, and we'll we'll stop it. And Obi-Wan's like, I don't believe you. You're lying. And he's like, well. Well. Okay. I did my part. <laughs> Here we go. I told you the truth. It either just hurts so you don't believe it, or you, yeah, again, what we Next said. Next stop, Petronaki Arena. <laughs> Here we go. Slice. Um, but yeah, is there anything about uh, Jedi Lost that you want to add on? I want to cover. We covered most of them, and at least in Duke, we lost the, the notable themes and the actual major events. I mean, there was also some, some the things like, that impacted me yeah, the most. There was some interesting stuff with like Sith lore. It's like all the dark side artifacts are in a specific collection in the museum that is there, but no one's supposed to go in. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, why do you have it then? Yeah. Some, it's some, it's kind of not quite visiony stuff, but like self fulfilling prophecy stuff with like. It, I would say it was fun watching young Dooku potentially be Harry Potter for, for a couple of chapters. <laughs> yeah, Because they're, they're just kids in that, school, and that was kind of fun to watch. I totally, yes, like, I was thinking just, the same just, thing. Just like life in the temple. Just life in the temple with, with classmates and trials. And you learn there's like an underwater portion of the temple for like, you know, students who swim mm-hmm. underwater, like Nautilans and Mon Cal and stuff like that. Yeah. But yeah, for an initial chunk of the book, it's just kind of like Star Wars Harry Potter. It's just kind of chill. Which That's is really true. Yeah, that actually was a really fun part of it. And, and the voices being younger, but all British helps with that too. <laughs> <laughs> younger and all British. I'm like, and all, most of them sounded the same when they were younger. Yeah. It was just... A little difficult. And I feel like a couple actors played multiple characters at times, or they might have just had similar voices. But there was a few times I was confused. And yeah. again, that's yeah. my, my biggest flaw. Because I, uh, there's, I'm sorry, my 12-year-old side is going to come out. I did the audiobook for Ahsoka, because Ashley Eckstein mm, read yeah. Ahsoka. So I'm like, I'll do the audiobook for that one. And her but, Ahsoka voice is great. Yeah, Because great. that's her acting voice. It is. The others tend to blur a lot. A lot to blur. But also, in audiobooks, you don't see how things are spelled. Oh, yeah. The, I, the I, know, I, know, family. I know exactly how <laughs> this is going. The, yeah. Which is spelled F-A-R-D-I. Mm-hmm. But when you keep hearing them talking about the Farty family, you're just like, yeah. did no one say this out loud first? Some stories don't work as well in audio form. There's also, like, multiple characters who had similar names because there was... Like Mira and Nira, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, there's something like that sounds familiar. That were, in Ahsoka. Yeah, yeah, that were very similar, so it was hard to tell apart when reading the audiobook. But since we were sort of talking about prophecies and stuff, let's move on to uh, Master and Apprentice by Claudio Gray, who continues, as I said in last week's podcast, All rock, <laughs> rock Star Wars books. And when are they going to announce what the hell Project Luminous is? She could write about a janitor in the Mos Eisley Cantina, and I'd love it. Oh, yeah. Because 
like before we get into that, like talking about stuff from uh, like the compilations. So the from a certain point of view, which oh, and not every story in that is good, but I really enjoyed that book as the whole. Mm-hmm. I liked it. It was just little snippets of things, and there's some really good. There's stories some in there really too. good ones, like the Afra one. It yeah. is like top tier. But I'm also, I love anything Afra. She's mm-hmm. probably my favorite thing in Star Wars right now. Well, I'm just saying, uh, there might be an Afra pin coming soon. Just saying. I need it. <laughs> my, it might be happening soon. I may have designed it. She was the top voted character when I asked. When I pulled. Eventually, after I finished this Mortis run. But yeah, with like a certain point of view, I, it is really interesting to me. And I discussed this a little bit last week about how certain stories really grab you and some don't there were a handful that i was just like all right keep going and i think that's was why it took me so long to get through that book because Mm -hmm. i would go through a series of stories that i loved and i was so immersed with but then you hit one that you just don't connect with and the msc the mouse droid one was rough particularly as an audiobook because did you listen to it or read it i I listened to it yeah that for those who don't know there's a story about a mouse droid and it's a lot of and you know Velocity raised, reset, off, oh change. It's just on repeat because the no. whole story is just essentially through this mouse droid's perspective, and it gets very. I'm sure on paper works fine, so you can kind of jump through. Yeah, some of that. you you understand that. But as an audiobook, you have to listen to every line. Yes. Oh that my one, god. It was a shame because it's a cute story, but yeah, no, I think that would be a, that's a perfect example of a story that work, would work really cute on paper, yeah. but in audio where they have to read out every single like. Digit like command line of a computer. Yeah. Oh over and over. Lord. As the thing's slowly breaking down. Yeah. But uh, Claudia Gray, in a certain point of view, got to write some Qui-Gon Obi-Wan. Um, a story called Master and Apprentice. Ma- it wasn't really called yeah. that. And then, the short story was called Master and Apprentice. About and here Qui-Gon she Obi-Wan. goes, writing Master and yeah, Apprentice. No, so clearly she had ideas then, too. Yeah, I, I like that. Because I wonder if she had... Because it, it's been a long thing in Star Wars fandom trying to get Claudia to write the Satine part of the Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan story. Yeah, that would be nice. It would be... I, they're sitting on that for something. They're waiting for something for that. Because one, Claudia should write it. Because mm-hmm. I almost wonder if she pitched that idea to them and they're like, you can't write Satine, but do you want to write Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon? Yeah. And they were like, she was like, I'll... Whatever I can take. I mean, it's for worth, worth knowing all the three of the most recent novels this year were all around... Phantom Menace at time, mm-hmm. either shortly after or not long You're before, because right. this year was the 20th. And yeah. I mean, this year is very much the year of prequel appreciation, even mm-hmm. in stuff like uh, miniatures games, like X-Wing. They added oh, really? prequel stuff, which is cool. Oh, good. Did have the, uh, the, the miniature the ships, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah I, th- I think the end ones, it's coming soon. They announced it. I don't okay. think it's out yet, but. That's like, I have like three ships. Well, I mean, I have a lot of ships, but like spaceships. That yeah. I actively enjoy, and no, that the, is one. The N1's just a sleek-looking ship. It's a sleek ship. So, Claudia uh, with Master and Apprentice, easily, I think, in my top five. I think Claudia has just taken my top five Star Wars books right now. She's... I, I really enjoyed this book. Um, it gave me a bigger appreciation for Qui-Gon. I already liked Obi-Wan yeah. a lot. And actually, so, like, one of my favorite parts of this book is them addressing, like, why Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon were paired together because they even established that Obi-Wan in his younger youngling days was quite rebellious. No, and I loved the, the, his aunt, Qui-Gon's answer to why that happened because Obi-Wan's like, I don't get it. Why am I a rule follower now? I was so rebellious. And Qui-Gon's like, actually, no, it makes perfect sense to me now that I think about it. 
I'm a I'm a rule breaker. So the only way that you could be rebellious to me was to become a rule follower. That's yeah. I thought that was such a smart yeah. little detail to add. They're like, you're rebelling against me. But I'm all, but I'm already a rebellious person. So yep. if you did, you'd just be doing what I do. So you've become the perfect Jedi. They, that's why they paired you with me. Yeah. They've made you into the perfect Jedi because yeah. they got you good. Here we are, master and apprentice. And I liked how they kind of drew a little bit in from the old EU of Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan's relationship, how it wasn't always the best that they had a little bit of a tumultuous. Tumultuous? Thank you. They had a bit of a tumultuous, so I can't tell my God, words. They had a bit of a struggle. Got it. Thank you. In their relationship. And I I really love the new characters that Claudia brought in. I enjoyed Fanry and I'm... Oh, Rail Avaros? Yeah. Oh, Rail! He is it. fascinating. He shows up oh. in Jedi Lost as well, but not as prominently. Mm-hmm. He is fascinating. I love Rail. Like, he's such an interesting foil for Qui-Gon in that, like... If Qui-Gon is the rule-breaking maverick compared to the rest of the Jedi, Rail is the rule-breaking maverick compared to Qui-Gon. Yes. Like, he's even more out there with the bending the code and the spirit and the, of the law. Mm-hmm. And both of them were Dooku's apprentices. Yeah. So, like, what in Dooku's kind of training? I mean, I got the impression Dooku was a fairly, was a fairly strict master. Yeah. So that, again, it's that inverse of Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon. Yeah. So so Qui-Gon was rebelling against the rule following. Like you, that's how you'd normally expect rebellion against a strict master to go. Mm-hmm. And Rail just... They also mentioned Rail was... He was brought to the temple at a much older age than most younglings because mm-hmm. he was found late. So he, so, you know, he, he already had a little bit of family attachment and things like that. So and he has this great southern accent. In the audiobook, he's like, cowboy, Rail He's got Avros. this great yeah. southern accent. Well, Qui-Gon, I don't know. <laughs> it's so funny. Because it... Is that how they would explain Qui-Gon's accent, that it's so Irish that... I guess. I I suppose. I don't know. But, uh, I because, like, Rail's out here, just the fucking Jedi. He's just out here. Yeah. Get, just because we mean that literally. That is what he does. His, I, his stance is that I can... I, the the law the Jedi code just says no attachment it doesn't say no sex yeah. it just if I can have sex with no attachment then I've been breaking into the law <laughs> which is an interesting interpretation yeah but which is fascinating I mean it's pretty it's a fascinating question can can someone actually truly be completely unattached attached yep. like that wait because I which, I he, liked... he believes he can mm-hmm. which kind of gets questioned later in the book not not that aspect but, but the idea of can you truly unattach yourself when you say you aren't yeah. Because they, they briefly bring up uh, Qui-Gon's romance that I would have loved to know more of. Yeah. Because that... I mean, in short, every Jedi had a crush at some point. Yeah. But then... But Qui-Gon was in love. That's what he said. It was... He yeah. was like, what I went through was worse because I... Or what I... It was different for me because I was in love. And Rail was like, that makes it worse. Yeah. I'm like... Because then Rail's like, look, I technically didn't get attached. I didn't break the rule. Technically, you did. Technically, that was you. And I believe that whole... So the first time, they ha- they have a couple debates throughout the book. One is like, like right after Qui-Gon's interrupted, Rail having some time. Yep. And then the other is while they're during us, so they do it during a sparring match. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's fun because it's you know, both a verbal spar and a literal one. Yeah. And uh, I, I really liked Rail. Uh, Fanray was a really interesting character, and do you recall the names of the jewel hunters? Because I'm feeling really bad that I'm shoot. I don't. <laughs> they they were interesting because they were just kind of like 
stuck along with it for the ride. Yeah. In short, they're jewel hunters that Qui-Gon Obi-Wan ran into, and because Qui-Gon's like, I-, I can make use of this to finish the mission, even though it's not code approved. Mm-hmm. He's like, look, you guys are going to help me and my apprentice here fly around to do some investigating, or we can just, you know, turn you in because you are jewel thieves. It's <laughs> so like, well, I guess we're your taxi service for the next few days. Yeah. Like, I think Claudia does the best job of writing new characters that I still find just as interesting as, mm. like, the existing ones. Because, I mean, for example, uh, Lost Stars. I That's one of my favorite Star Wars books, and that one basically didn't rely on any pre-existing characters at all. No, no, I believe it was, I mean, Vader briefly shows up. Yeah, and Tarkin's briefly there. Yeah, but again, those are appearances. They're not really characters in the book. And Ransom Cal- Ransom Castorfo from Bloodline is actually one of my all-time favorite Star Wars characters as a whole. And I think from one book is an impressive feat from yeah. all of Star Wars yeah. that have so much to go off of. And I hope we get to see more of him. And because originally Ransom was written as a character in The Force Awakens, but was written out in later versions. But I think Claudia does a really good job with writing characters that are not characters that you know. Yeah. But you still find them interesting or just as interesting in some cases. Um, clearly, since I don't remember their names, I did not find them quite as, quite oh, as quite interesting. Level. But, they but were still, I still really liked them. They they had a good sort of banter back and forth, the two of them. Mm-hmm. One of them, again, similar, one of them who claimed he had no attachment to, to her after, like... Because he was raised, one of them, the guy was raised by protocol droids. Yeah, he and was, so like, he, raised by a million through C-3PO's. <laughs> which is hilarious in itself. That itself is just a really yeah. good concept. And, like, they had a history in that... She had, like, asked him out once. He had said no. And they're like, okay, cool. We'll just be friends and, yeah. we're, and co-workers for the rest of the and they And they're fine with that for a while <laughs> until they aren't. Yeah. So she got to slide in her little romance yeah. there. Good for you, Claudia. Yeah. I believe in my girl who was just like, you know what? Gotta slide that in somewhere. And that leads then leads into the girl who was a, like, essentially a corporate slave. Mm-hmm. Like, a slave owned by a company by the Zerka Corporation. Which uh, ties into more of why the Jedi... Well, it's just like, and the new... And the faults of the New Republic. Because that is something I think is lacking in the movie content for the sequel trilogy. Is that in a lot of the excess and extra content for the sequel trilogy, they talk about how the New Republic wasn't working. Especially Bloodline. They on so hard on the demilitarization. Yeah. And then you had a whole generation of people who hadn't experienced the war at all. So everyone was kind of sitting on their laurels like... We're fine, right? We're mm. good. We don't need to do anything. It wasn't working. And even Leia, Leia herself, who's in the Senate, is acknowledging this isn't working and it's gonna, it's all gonna blow up. People are suffering. People are still not doing all right. The Re- New Republic isn't reaching out to areas it needs to be. This isn't working out. And I absolutely loved that. But it hasn't really yet been addressed in, in the movies. And I wish it was only because I think it would make people kind of understand more why the First Order came about and why people like certain planets would be willing to give themselves to the First Order. Almost like we see that, we see that in Resistance. We do. We uh, Yeah, it's actually Watch Resistance. a lot of the bonus contents. Watch Resistance. It's great. Disney XD, Saturday is at 10. Or sign in to watch Disney Now Online with your cable or satellite provider. Yeah, absolutely. Not spawned. Not spawned, but would totally be spawned. <laughs> Just saying. Because, yeah, I, I really like when they introduce stuff like that, but to the average audience member you'll see because like when they're even calling out for help and no one's coming to help leia 
at the end of The Last Jedi, you really have to wonder why no one came to help her. And I'm like, were there certain people that were like, no, we the New Republic wasn't working. And actually, the First Order did come and say they would help yeah. us. And you know what? Like, for example, in Resistance, if you aren't familiar with Resistance... The First Order kind of pulled a Palpatine where they're on both sides of something. There's pirates attacking the station, but the First Order were the ones paying the pirates so that they could look like the protectors and heroes. Mm-hmm. When uh, they came in and yeah. swooped in and Which got the Which then gives out. them an excuse to start clamping down more and more. Because they don't really care. They, they just want the station itself. Mm-hmm. They don't need the people there beyond whatever skeleton crew is needed to run it. Yeah. So... Because, yeah, and I think it's done well because it doesn't make the First Order seem like good guys, but no. it makes you understand why people would be like, oh, they're here to help yeah. us. It's very well written drama because the whole time at the end, I'm like, it's interesting because you as the audience, you know what comes later and you know that how bad they actually are. Mm-hmm. So you're screaming, don't do that. Don't, why, don't join them. Like, I understand why you feel that way, but I, why would you do that? It's, it's, a, the, it's, uh, it's well, very well written drama because you as the audience know what's coming, mm-hmm. but not in a way that removes the tension but it's in a way that amplifies it exactly i completely agree so uh back on master and apprentice where were we oh they were talking about like the zirka corporation and the yes. republic how they kind of turned a blind eye to because like slavery. the republic had outlawed slavery but they left ex- technically, technically had left loopholes and exceptions for corporations and companies who still had slaves and to not stop doing that mm-hmm. so you, you you really get this kind of vibe of, I mean, and also the Jedi aren't can't really do much about it. They're, they're yeah, not Because they're to. supposed to enter to the Senate and the Republic. Yeah. And Yoda and Qui-Gon have a good little spat back. And, actually, and Obi-Wan, I think, have a good thing. Yeah. They're both Qui-Gon. Sorry, Obi-Wan and Yoda would be like, that's beyond our mandate. We can't do that. Qui-Gon's like, our mandate is to help people. The hell are you talking about? Yeah. Our mandate is to help people. This sucks. Like, we're... We're no longer what we should be anymore, yeah. and we need to address this because the so fact it does that make it odd. His answer in Phantom Menace, like oh, I didn't come here to free slaves. Yeah, a little odd, but maybe that's him trying to lean into the code that he was supposed to. Yeah, I think and that's then, what and, they were going for. And there. then you know, Anakin Shmi win him over, and he's like, okay, no, I gotta do something. I gotta go. Gotta get out of there. So that with Fan Fanry and uh, Ryle Rail was a interesting relationship because it, we learn pretty. Was it? I think it was briefly addressed in Jedi Lost that Rail had a Padawan who died. Yeah, they mentioned it more in Master Apprentice that you definitely get the full backstory. Master yeah, Apprentice. The Rail had an apprentice. Things up, and all they were on a mission, and the apprentice died. Yep. The the council. Not only did the apprentice die, Rail killed her. <laughs> was that it? I, I he forgot, killed her. I forgot about that part. Yeah, because she had been taken over by uh, one of the robot things, worm things. She had been infected okay. by something that he could have saved her from it, but, but the he, choice, he didn't made, think it, they had enough time, yeah. and so he just made the choice to kill her. Yeah. And and the council weren't really sure what to do with him after that, Yep. so they gave him an assignment where he would just literally live on a planet as like the future queen's like temporary ruler yeah. until she came of age, just so he could essentially kind of... Hope, the, the hope was that he could recompose himself for a few years and maybe be reintroduced to the order later down the road. Yeah. Something low stress and low <laughs> low responsibility. Low stress and low responsibility. Just to keep him out of the way. And here he is, uh, raising Fannery, who's, uh... Who... Goes totally fine. Nothing goes wrong. Everything I'm goes... Sh- yeah. And that's the end of the book. That's it. Because I, I do... I also like the sort of, uh... 
cinematic poetry of like having a child that you like deeply care for because I do think Rael really cared for Fanery, mm-hmm. but he only but a lot of his care and fear for her came from the his trauma with his uh, Padawan and Fanery could tell that Fanery yeah. could tell that he you didn't know, you really don't care see about me as me you see me as your fallen Padawan yeah you even after all these years you're not treating me like my own person mm-hmm. you're treating me as your dead Padawan you have to protect redeem yourself you're you, and you're trying to raise me you're still making it about you and, and I think that Fanery's uh rebellion after that yeah. was a really interesting choice and it was a really interesting uh character for the story and, and the fact that no one, everyone completely underestimates her. No one thinks that this little girl yeah. is capable of any of it until she proves them wrong. Who I definitely, I think Claudia did a fan cast um, picture as Max from Stranger Things. I have not seen Stranger Things. <gasps> I mean, I, the I, red-haired I, I have girl. Seen, okay, uh, yeah. That I, I scare very easily. So when that first <laughs> season came too, out and but... I looked spooky, I'm like, I don't know about this. I never got. And people like, I said, oh, it's fine. I never got around to it. And then apparently there's third season. There's like actual scary. I'm like, nope. I made the right choice. Oh, no. I'm good. I made the right choice. You're all fools. <laughs> we'll see. I've been I've been looking away every now and then. Um, I'm only a, f- a couple episodes in. I'm not like a diehard Stranger Things fan, but I have watched most of it. I've not seen all of season three. Claudia Gray did a fan cast, and so the red haired girl was Fanry. So every time I read it, it was just her. Uh, so yeah, Fanry ends up having wanting ultimate power because she's the monarch and originally they were working on a treaty that would make it so it so that it was more of a, a superficial monarchy yeah but a, it would also give the Zerker corporation essentially it would essentially give a big mega corporation direct control over aspects of the government so they can profit mm-hmm. <coughs> it was a bad look <laughs> it was a bad look and Qui-Gon was super like nah. can we make this a better treaty <laughs> is there any way to fix this so they aren't screwed out of part of their democracy down the line no great love it and so uh the jewel thieves also find these kyber crystals that aren't kyber which is interesting to uh introduce and last week we did talk about all of the prophecies that did come in and that was part of it of the the kyber that was not kyber and they the kyber almost acts as an antithesis towards kyber crystals because there were uh, weapons that someone had developed that work against lightsabers. It, if anyone remembers the like the Yislamiri creatures of like the old EU, imagine that sort of bubble, but for a lightsaber. <laughs> that bubble. and it's not a creature. Sort of thing. <laughs> it's like a shield, and so it ended up not working against lightsabers. So Obi Wan and Qui Gon were screwed they until mean, like they were me like, oh, we shouldn't let this go into production. Because what if someone had a droid that, say, had a big bubble shield and a lightsaber couldn't get through it? Hope that doesn't happen in eight years. <laughs> Hope that's fine. But they ended up finding these crystals that work against these uh, shields in their own weird way. Yeah. And I almost wonder if those will make any sort of appearance. Because there has been there has been some a uh, lightsaber-proof weapons in the sequel trilogy. Also, in the other things like uh, comics, there have been some weird lightsaber-powered weapons lately. Oh, interesting. And so there's there's two, there have been two main Darth Vader runs. The second one was by Charles Sewell, and that takes, like, starts immediately after Revenge of the Sith. Mm-hmm. And uh, turns out, Jocasta knew in storage had, like, a lightsaber gun type thing. <laughs> like, essentially a rifle that's powered by a lightsaber to shoot a beam. I love it. And now in the Afro comics, 
uh, the, Re- the rebels have their hands on one, and oh. they want. To, and there's a sect of the rebels who want to turn into like a mini Death Star and just assassinate the, the emperor. Uh-huh. Asimov Motha wouldn't be cool with that. No. So, and of course, it's rebel intelligence because all the sketchy people seem to come out of rebel intelligence. Yeah. And sketches. they've tried hiring Afra, and now she's conflicted. Afra is great. So is her comic. Yeah, I, I I believe that. I have not read the Afra comics personally. I'm I'm not a huge comic book person. Recently, there's a quote from her book that. I, we came up again that apparently was like from her mom, but it's a good like little like snippet of both an actual good description of good and evil, but also sums up the very nihilist way Afra lives her life. Mm-hmm. It says that good and evil is just a measure of how much your choices take away someone else's, oh. which is both a good a good description, but also goes because like she was raised to be like good and evil is just measured to turn depend turn by who's winning. Like mm-hmm. what the what the supposed good guys say is unforgivable will eventually be justified by some other means yeah. take care of yourself and maybe a couple of some people you love so and it, that quote's really because it's both that but it's also a good measure of like good and evil yeah I, I definitely agree i think there are a lot of snippets in the comics that we should be paying attention to especially uh the poe comics i think there's been a lot of uh there was a lot of hints for his characterization in the last jedi in the poe comics but yeah i guess most of that came out before last jedi it was yeah before last jedi and then the they, couple, did, they did kind of change his character they, they uh, wrapped up a little more in the, like, the, with the, like, the first arc that happens after Last Jedi, where they're just kind of recouping on the Falcon, and mm-hmm. th- then you find out what happened to, uh... The Black Squadron? Yeah, Black Squadron. I'm blanking on Greg Grunberg's name all of a sudden. Snap Wexley! Yeah, Snap Wexley and Jessica Pava yeah. and the rest of their crew. Where, where were they? They're alive. They're back. I mean, we, we saw Snap in, in that one photo. Didn't see so. Jess, though. Yeah, I, I hope they're that. both in it. I don't know. I I mean I follow her like on social on yeah. Instagram and stuff. It didn't seem like she was filming when uh, they were filming the movie. Dang. So. Well, at least I mean Greg was going to be in it anyway. Yeah. If JJ was yeah, there. Yeah, if JJ's there, Greg's there. That's how that works. Absolutely. So yeah, definitely recommend both the quote unquote Dooku books. They're just Dooku aligned because Master and Apprentice is more about Qui Gon and Obi Wan, mm-hmm. but Dooku does make a couple of appearances because he is the one who is has introduced Qui Gon into the prophecies yeah. and. I I think that the prophecies are all really interesting, and they could be read a multitude of yeah. ways. Well, example, you guys read, read the highest of Jedi, meaning most powerful. I just read it as meaning the Council, because they're in charge of the whole order. Yeah, that could be true. But he, technically, was he really, I guess he was on the Council, but he yeah. wasn't a master. No. Again, again... But again, my thought was, well, he's still on, in the, the body that's supposed to be in the yeah, most in charge. Yeah, because I, I, I do see And that, that's how that I got to the read. Anakin read. Not, yeah. not as he's the most powerful, but he is, again, he's been added, added to this group who are in charge of everyone. Yeah. They didn't really want him there. <laughs> but, but that's no, part I think of the point of the Fox yeah, is that you can read them multiple ways. Even, like, Qui-Gon reads all, most all these... He has none of the knowledge that we do of what happens later. Mm-hmm. To him, there are possibly things that happened in the past with ancient Sith lords or people. Right? Yeah. And that's kind of the point is that, yeah, you, the reader, are reading them with future knowledge, but they can mean multiple things. Mm-hmm. It's not like one read is wrong or the other. Yeah. They could be both true. No, I do think it's likely that it refers to Anakin. They're just like, the wording doesn't exactly fit for me, but I do see how yeah. it's like, I also just think the that's part of the Jedi. point yeah. is to be intentionally somewhat vague. To talk about it. Yeah. And I, I like that. Those are things, those are discussions that I personally like to have. So moving forward, let, we're going to have slightly shorter discussions because that was a long discussion. Those about, were also the two biggest novels. They were, and most recent. Yeah. We, I want to talk a little bit about Legends of Luke Skywalker and Cobalt Squadron before we do our short review of the, the two books, mm-hmm. the BBs. 
That's what BB stands for. There's going to be eight books in Batu, And they all have odd product placements. It's just so, so much odd We'll get to that placement. later. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about The Legends of Luke Skywalker, written by Ken Liu. Um, I really enjoyed most of this book. It It is a compilation story, but while but because it is written by the same author, there there's still ups and downs with stories that are told in snippets. Because yeah. there's like... I think five or six mini stories within one. Yeah. And I definitely had favorites, just like a uh, certain point of view. And I definitely had ones that I did not care about. Yeah. So uh, my personal favorites uh, of the, of Luke, uh, Legend of Luke Skywalker were the first one, which is the complete uh, conspiracy theory. Yeah. <laughs> so the shore of that is, an old man's the bar. We're meant to assume it's Luke. It's kind of, again all this. That's one where they don't outright say it's Luke, but, but the, it's the Luke. book's called Legends of Luke Skywalker. It's Luke. And you know, there's this lady at the bar who's telling stories about what she's heard about you know aspects of the rebellion, and there's stories about Luke, and how well see it was all a hoax. You see, <laughs> Luke, Luke, and he was part of the O. What is it? The, Ken- the O Kenobi gang. Yeah, the O Kenobi gang. It was all they were a bunch of scammers. There they, was all a big long con. And then like Luke's name was like Luke Babyface Claude Ploffer or yeah, something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> And <laughs> oh, you know, I forgot what Han's like real name was. I, they, I can't remember. I keep wanting to say the thing from Hardware Wars, the spoof, but that's not it. Yeah. And the Millennium Falcon was had a really like the century. The, the centennial. Goose or something like something that. Something like that. Yeah, the Centuria Eagle or something like yeah. that. But like how the Death Star explosion was fake. There's two different recordings and one's a regular explosion. One, there's a ring and that's a nod to how the special edition and the original, the explosions look different, which so I love that kind happen. of humor. I thought that was like, hilarious. I love the last story and from a certain point of view, the wills are arguing back and forth. I love that I know story people too. who hate it. They feel like it's too pointed oh, and no, they don't I like, like that kind of direct mocking of the fandom. I love that I so much. It, yeah. I, I don't know. I can laugh at myself. Yeah. But yeah, that one is a lot of fun. There's no like big themes from it. It's just a very fun, different perspective on what may have happened. Mm-hmm. Where this person th- is a total conspiracy nut, thinks all this stuff was fake. It was all a scam and a con. It's just a fun story. Yeah, it was absolutely hilarious. And, and I think like Luke like buys her a drink. He's like, no, because he's like, I want to hear this. Yeah, no, he's like, no, I, I want to hear more. He's yeah, like, he's there with his on. robot hand. Yeah, and like, Please go on. Keep And she was like, oh yeah, I'll keep telling you this story if you buy me more food. Food, everyone? They're like, yeah, I'm interested. Yeah. Here we go. But yeah, they're like these force scam artists uh, trying to fake everything. Yeah. And how the Death Star was never even real. Mm-hmm. And they like made a fake tape of the explosion. And then the deaths, they had, the Empire couldn't just say that that didn't happen because. Because like, then they'd be admitting it existed. Yeah. It was very funny. And it was a good way to start off the book. Because that one was really the only one that was based in like pure, this did like uh absurdity yeah like i'm fine with stories being this sort of pseudo canon state Mm -hmm. where like this is a story in the universe not the story itself might not be true yeah because uh for the the rest of them i think the next one was about an empire officer who was saved by luke um was that the one who thought he saw luke pull a star destroyer out of the sky (laughs) which i want to believe that's a pointed attack it's a pointed attack it has to be i want to believe it but, you know, I'll, I'll give Lucasfilm the benefit of the doubt that they just thought that was a funny story. No, it has to be. I, we've, we've heard so much confirmation that they, like, 
kind of make fun of those videos. So yeah, they, 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 they're aware of things. They're aware of these. I mean, Ryan Johnson's full up and like, we're aware. Yeah. <laughs> we're aware. And so, yeah, he, that the Empire sees Luke pulling these. Yeah. Uh, like at the Battle of Jakku, sky. though, which is, there's no record that Luke was ever at. Yeah. So that's kind of, that's kind of, that was kind of an odd one. Cause I'm like, wait, are they saying Luke was, was there, there? Or it's just this guy had a weird hallucination. Yeah. Which I guess. Yeah, that one, that, it's an odd one to me. It's an odd one, yeah. Well, with all of these, they're just like, you don't know if any of them are true, yeah. which is a interesting way to write in new canon, because yeah. you're like, well, we can contradict any of this later. Yeah, again, I know some people did not like from a certain point of view for that reason, because mm-hmm. they're like, well, what's the point of all this? Which ones matter? I'm like, they're stories. They matter, simply, stories, be- just yeah. be- they matter simply because they're stories. Yeah. Don't get hung up on the word canon. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, all of this is as equally real as exactly. the next thing. Exactly. And by that, I mean completely fictional. Yes, so faking in space. <laughs> my merch, right? Even though that's a Harrison Ford quote, I'm going to take it Is as it my own. Is it Ford or Oscar Isaac? It's a Harrison Ford quote that Oscar tells the story of. Okay. Yeah. Because that's the last time I remember hearing it in the news that yeah, wasn't Yeah, he tells the story merch. a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it, Oscar's saying it a lot, but it's he's telling okay. Harrison's story. And the, the, the story that I actually want to talk about the most is the one... I was reading this book, and you were talking to me about it because you had read it previous and yes. you're like my favorite one is the fishing one i'm like oh i haven't gotten there yet yeah Luke and then learns I, to fish with the force <laughs> and then i got to the fishing one and the fishing one is absolutely the my favorite one mm-hmm. in the book it's the one that is probably the most truthful i assume and or at least the most relevant yeah I, that's a better word for it it's definitely the one i think is the most relevant there's a couple stories in this that refer to other cultures point of view of the force yes there's people who call it the mist i think here was the tide here the was the tide yeah here yeah the, the fishing like... story there was a tide and then in the one where they're stuck inside the worm is the mist mm, okay. i believe if i'm recalling that correctly i apologize if i'm not so luke finds himself on a planet with a bunch of people who are followers of the force yeah. but they call it again he's going this is at the time before ben where he's mm-hmm. just going around the galaxy trying to learn about the forest trying to figure out everything he missed and mm-hmm. just like where do i go from here so he's trying to he's heard about these different cultures he wants to go he's like okay what can you tell me about the forest there's something i can learn so i can help with the light mm-hmm. they're like light what are you even talking about it's I, just the tide that's I love it. it so much there's he's like no the there's energy. the light side and the dark side they're like dude what are you I mean, sure, you want to think a dichotomy, you can, but, like, it, it's That's not, not strictly it a dichotomy like that. That's one way to look at it, but might get you more trouble than it's worth. Mm-hmm. And that's why I absolutely loved that they, they, I mean, they're pushing this theme so often of the quote-unquote balance in Star Wars, because I won't even say that means balance, but they're just like, stop thinking of it with the, between the light side and the dark side. It's As just, an us and them. Yeah, it's an energy field. It's an it's all yeah. bit just one and big that thing. doesn't mean there isn't absolute evil yeah but trying to break it in a here's the line you're either one side or the other, other doesn't isn't really gonna get, get us anywhere yeah it doesn't help anything to look at it that way yeah so luke goes under these force trials because again he's the last jedi so he needs to kind of go to these different planets and discover their yeah. interpretations of the force to do some of his own learning and they he goes as you say force fishing yeah and they allude to that a little bit in The Last Jedi when Luke has the giant, the giant spear. Yeah, the giant super long spear. And, I mean, the idea is that you just reach out and you wait and sense the fish and you spear it. Did you get, I'm not sure, did you ever play Skyward Sword? 
Uh, yeah. It's, it's Did you get any Skyward Sword vibes with the birds in the... You know, I don't know if I'm, I am now that you mentioned it, because yeah. it's been a little bit since I read it. Yeah. I don't remember if I did at the time, but now I do, yeah. Because they were on, so the, the place where they are the believers in the tide, they're, it's like this big ocean planet, and they have these big birds that they fly on, and it's kind of like their forced companions. And the whole time I was just thinking of Skyward Sword, which is the Legend of Zelda game, where I'm forgetting what the, they call their birds. Sky, uh, loft wings. Loft wings. They're loft wings the entire time. Yeah. That's just what those birds looked like in my mind's eye. When yeah. I was and, and like initially Luke is just trying to you know, fish and just do it. And they're like, no, you have to stop thinking, A, either trying to use the force, Mm -hmm. you have to just let the force flow and just let it happen. The more you keep trying to force it, you're not going to hit that fish with a giant spear that tons of feet in the air. It's not going to happen. Yeah, because like the way they defined, I won't say defined light side and dark side, but they the way they defined the usage of the force or people's approach to it is the people who let it flow through them and the people who try to control it. Yes. And they're like, you just don't try to control it. Just let it be an energy and let it flow through you. And I just really liked this a lot. For me, there was one about a droid there after, after that one. And there was, I'm trying to think of the others. And there was one about they're stuck in the worm. Yeah, I don't the... remember either of those as much. Oh, no, I do remember the worm now. Because it was the giant space worm yes. from Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. And there's just people like stuck inside it. Yes. And that's about all I remember. And then, like, Luke saves them? He, they die, but they, he saves himself <laughs> and the girl he was with. Okay. So there's these, like, Jedi who trap themselves inside statues. Oh, inside right. It's, the like, worm. it's like, it's not quite a Force ghost so much as just their remnant selves yeah. are just attached to the part of the giant space worm. Yeah. It was it's re- a weird one. It was really, it was really interesting, but I, it had similar uh, motifs. So I'm glad they're just continuing to have these really nuanced uh, forces, uh, approaches to the Force because I, I do enjoy stories that aren't as Force-based in Star Wars, but uh, when it comes down to it, I do find the mystic part of it my personal favorite. Especially the most like, weird mystic. The weirder yeah. the Force gets, the more interesting it is. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And then I think the last book before we get into the Batus, um, I want to talk about briefly is Cobalt Squadron, which is the book that came out after you said after yeah, last I'm Jedi? pretty sure it was a little after last Jedi which is <laughs> I'm gonna actually like double check yeah that fact check me on that really quickly so we have fact checked and it actually came out the day the movie was released which I think would be hilarious if you I don't think anyone really read this book first no, unless you got like a preview copy for yeah. some reason we were discussing this before we started recording because the Cobalt Squadron is at its core, this uh, Rose and Paige's kind yeah. of backstory a it's little bit. why you should feel bad about Paige dying and Rose being sad. It, oh, it's so hard. I don't mean that in a cynical way. I, I, in a genuine, this is why you should care more than you already did. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, that's what I, my main takeaway from the book. I won't say it was one of my favorite books overall. No, I did. Again, it's a short, lighter read that's two sisters going on missions, one of whom is almost... Like, it's just very attached. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of the word, but, uh... Yeah. They get, like, Rose gets separation anxiety. Yeah. When she's away from Paige, is the point. Yeah. And it's, like, I, I really liked every moment that was between them as sisters. I didn't care much for the overarching plot. I don't say, like, it wasn't, like, bad or anything. I just wasn't as absorbed in it as I was the relationship between Rose yeah, and Paige. Yeah, they're, like... They're running missions kind of to pay the bills for a while, but while at the same time using that as a foreground to then run, make supply runs to help 
another near another yeah. planet because the resistance doesn't have much but they still they know their their job is to help people so yeah. they're like well we gotta try to run the supply run but the first order is in the area so we have to be very careful about when and how we make these trips mm-hmm. exactly and so yeah by the end of it it leads exactly up to where the last jedi begins yeah, with cobalt squadron regrouping with the rest of the fleet just in time. And Paige being like, I'm going up in my bomber. And Rose is like, I'll go with you. And she's like, no, man, you have to go on that other ship. Because well, I think it would be really funny if someone read this, if this was a road to, and I think it potentially could have been a road. To, I think yeah. it technically is considered a road to but the last Jedi. But it's the but, day of. But yeah, and the people was, who care about reading it ahead of time are already seeing it the night the movie comes out. So they're yeah. not reading it ahead of time. Yeah. And I was just like, think it would have been hilarious if this came out like a month earlier and you read this and you're like, like oh, oh wow, wow, I can't wait to see it. And you sit down and you're like, oh, there's Paige. Oh, I, she was in that book. What? Then <laughs> you just start crying. Just start sobbing uncontrollably. I mean, I do think Paige has one, she's one of the like strongest characters. For not being. For not having more than one line. I think she I, only says. Uh, Does she Nyx, have any lines? She says Nix, who's the. Oh, you're right. Yeah, the, she yeah she calls cap, out the, uh, the bombardier. Captain, yeah, bombardier, yeah. But that's it. And she still has such a powerful opening yeah. in that movie. She's I still I love her so much. She's so great. But yeah, I, I recently I think I with that I have completed the road to The Last Jedi. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was all of them. Yeah, I think I nailed it. Because you, you read Leia Princess of Alderaan, oh, right? Yeah. Okay. Duh. I, mean, I, would assume, I, I would assume so. Just oh yeah, I've read so. everything Claudia Gray touches yeah. with a ten foot pole. And I'm really looking forward to the road to Tross. Yeah, that, I've got both of the books pre-ordered on Audible. Read, so those will be ready to go. Here we go. There's there's the one about the like There's the big novel, Resistance Reborn. Yeah. Then there's Force Collector. Yeah. That's the quote unquote young adult one. Though that mostly just I'm, I'm not even sure what that label means, because often they're just more character studies, mm-hmm. and often are better. Yeah. Yeah. I, Resistance Reborn would be really interesting. I've been seeing some people re, uh, who are part of, like, the editing team mm-hmm. for it post a little little snippets about it, or just reactions to yeah. it. It'll, And I feel like that's going to be the one that's going to give us the... I don't think it's going to give us spoilers for the movie, but... It'll but be the they, most relevant to it. Here's the state of the galaxy going in. Mm-hmm. And there's also the, the, it's one of the, it's, it's like Cobalt Squadron. It's in that same vein of books with Poe. It's like Poe, F- Ray, and oh, it's, Rose. It's, it's like those Before the Awakening yes. ones. Without, like the covers are like black, white, black and red. Black and white, yeah. Yeah, those aren't on Audible, so I haven't read them. <laughs> yes, they are. They've been added. Have? Yeah, they are. I, cause I, I, I have, I have them on Audible. I'll have to look. I yeah. don't believe this. I I do believe Are they not, actually just, Is Star Wars not in the title of them? Because I just searched Star Wars on Audible. That's Maybe how I, not. That's how I no, make sure I I'm too. searching for things. Before the Awakening may not be. I don't, I don't remember seeing Before the Awakening, but I remember seeing the Han, Luke, and Leia ones. Huh. I'll have to look for those then. Yeah. But with... Uh, there's another one that's with... For some reason, Finn isn't mentioned, so I wonder if Finn is not in it. I assume he's not if they don't bother mentioning him in that particular one. Yeah, might, just might not. Yeah, I am. I'm pleased that we'll be getting some Ray because I kind of thought we wouldn't get any Ray at all in these books. Because let's be fair, with the like up to the the journey to oh, Last she, Jedi, oh, she, she hasn't been in any books pretty yeah, much. Yeah, she really but again hasn't. with the exception of like the Before the Awakening. Yeah, and like smaller, younger grade reader things like the Ray's Journal type stuff. Yeah, that are kind she of like has not been anything yeah. higher, you know, bigger than a young reader. Yeah, at all. No, I'm and so I'm really excited that we actually get some more 
real Ray stuff. And what most of it that we do get is still pre-Force Awakens, just mm-hmm. while she's on Jakku, and more proof that, yep, she's good at heart, and that's usually the most we get. Yep, she's, that's it. She's a good bean. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, since we're going to get some time during that time gap, again, a little bit surprising for me. I'll be surprised if we get anything from her perspective. Yeah. But it'll, like, I assume Resistance of Reborn will probably be mostly from Poe's perspective. Mm-hmm. But the others will be there, and... At least because he has the biggest head on the cover. That's, I know, that's what I was about to say. He's the biggest head on the cover, so therefore I assume it's going to be from his point of view. But it could switch. I don't know. I'm looking forward to getting to that time, and I'm also looking forward to Force Friday. In D23? Oh, yes. So much money spending. And this is considered triple Force Friday, right? Because it's Jedi Fallen Order, Rise of Skywalker, and Mandalorian and stuff. Yep. So, you know. Luckily, I personally am only pretty invested in one of those things right now but it's going to be a it's going to be really fun i always love first friday and i hope disney does another event for it i've not, not none of them i've actually gone up early for is mark after work i went to see what was left over <laughs> we, or, we just waited till midnight at disneyland for it bc it's a friday and i, I don't want to take work off to go shop no that's absolutely valid <laughs> so like I, can i i mean it's not that i don't have enough pto but it's just like do I really want to use a day of PTO to go bus shop? <laughs> yeah. Like, I just, I'm a big uh, fear of missing out person. So oh, yeah. It was it was really fun. So uh, before we cut off for today, let's do our brief, spoiler-free review. Well, did you want me to quickly briefly talk about Alphabet Squadron? Oh, I did finish yes! That. Actually, yes, absolutely. So you read Alphabet Squadron. Yeah. That I... is a book I'm not planning on reading, but you are, so I'd be curious just what to... What you uh, thought about it. I have a walloping, it's fine. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it, it wasn't no, and by no means bad or disappointing. It just didn't blow me away. It's it's slow. Mm-hmm. It's very slow. There's a lot of characters up front, so it, they kind of jump around. And I, so it takes a while to kind of get a hang of who, like what the, who these characters actually are. Mm-hmm. Pretty quickly, I was able to get a sense of, oh, I, I understand who Erica Quell is. She's the X-Wing pilot of, because Alphabet Squadron you have an X-Wing, a Y-Wing, an A-Wing, a B-Wing, and a U-Wing. Mm-hmm. Generally, mixed squadrons aren't a good idea, but the idea is that this is all that Rebel Intelligence has available because the point is that the the thrust of the novel is that it's shortly after Return of the Jedi. The Republic's trying to start mopping things up, but they're not used to winning and having to spread themselves so thin. Mm-hmm. And, and there's this particular Imperial fighter wing, the 204th, known as Shadow Wing. They're very good at what they do. They cause a lot of problems. They've been part of Operation Cinder, and they need to be stopped somehow. And eventually, this rebel intelligence officer, he starts gathering up people to put the crew together. He presents them to, to Hera. Hera's in the book. So yeah. it's not about her, but there's some good Hera moments in the book. And so they they end up working for her to try to track down Shadowing. But most of the book is spent with these sort of character drama moments. Mm-hmm. Like, I expect... I don't need lots of action, but for a book about a fighter pilot squadron, I was hoping for a little more before the third act. And granted, by the end, I realized I cared more about the characters than I thought I was. I did. That's good. So it was slow, but in the end, it did work. And the idea is that each of these pilots, they've essentially sur- they're survivors of shadowing attacks in one form or another. Mm-hmm. You have Will Lark, who's the kind of the kind of the quote unquote good boy. The like, good boy. He was at he him and another one were at were at the Battle of Endor and survived a shadowing attack later. 
Chastna Chaddock is the B-Wing pilot. She's survived Shadow Wing twice and now just has a death wish and just wants to go out in glory like Jin or so. That's mm-hmm. literally all she wants. She has attitude for everyone. She doesn't care because she's just so tired. She just wants to go out in glory and be done. Oh, wow. You have Nath Tenzent, who was an Imperial, but he didn't necessarily so much defect so much as quit to be a pirate mm-hmm. and then got picked up by the Republic. <laughs> all right. So he needs to kind of, kind of redeem himself. Yurika, who was part of Shadow Wing, she wasn't part of the any of the attacks that hurt the other people, but she was part of Shadow Wing and defected. And her whole arc is, I, I'm trying to prove that I'm doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if I'm capable of it anymore. I'm supposed to be in charge of this squadron. I don't know if anyone trusts me. I'm just trying to make something right because she defected after the second Death Star during Operation Cinder. So yeah. she was like, did I defect too late? Yeah. Did I quit after it didn't even matter anymore? Like, had I done too much damage? Can anyone even forgive me after all this? Mm-hmm. And hers is a really interesting arc. So all Yeah, the, she sounds really interesting. Yeah, so like all these pirates are essentially foils to her, to her in that she was shadowing, but also survived it. Mm-hmm. And they're all shadowing survivors with different kind of responses to that. And Oh, and there's one more, the Ewing pilot, Kairos. But we don't know even know what species she is because oh. she wears a helmet the whole time and almost never speaks. She's just an enigma. I, right. This is planned as a trilogy, so I'm assuming we'll find out. Oh, what is the, it? All yeah. Right. So I'm assuming I'll find out what the hell's up with Kairos later <laughs> yeah. on. But it's just like, she's here. She flies the U-Wing. She never really talks. All right. Okay. But yeah, it by the end, I, it got exciting and I found I cared. It's just, it's a slow read. Yeah. So. Yeah, like, because this personally, it just wasn't something that particularly tickled my interests. I did download the audiobook, and it might be something yeah. I listen to. And I'm hoping that now that we've gotten, now that I've got, we've gotten to know the characters, book two and three can kind of dive in. Yeah. And not have to spend so much slow character build-up time. Because mm-hmm. I know what their thrusts are, I know what their arcs are, and I understand who these characters are now. I don't need to spend two-thirds of the book getting to know them and having them get to know each other. Mm-hmm. Because the idea is that these are all people who kind of clash with each other. For example, Chas just freaking hates Will because she was trying to go out in glory. Their squadron was protecting another ship mm-hmm. she, and Shadowing's attacks. She was trying to go out in glory and Will saved her and took that away from her. Mm. And she, she's like, you took that <laughs> choice away from me. She's like, I oh. was trying to do something and you took my choice. Oh. So she resents him for a while. Yeah. Nath Tenzin is kind of working also for the Rebel Intelligence. He's also kind of working yeah. for the Rebel Intelligence guy who put him together. Mm-hmm. And at one point he tells Yerika, like, look, I need to get revenge on Shadowing. And if we can't kill them, you're right here. Just so you know. Hey, just so you know. I'm, oh, he also has a bit of a cowboy accent, <laughs> too, right. by the way. He's like, so just so you know. Just being honest. <laughs> if we don't kill Shadowing, I'm, I'm just being straightforward. <laughs> I could always just shoot you. Just... It's just like, I'm, I'm really a fan like, of thanks. whatever that's, cowboy that's planet great. there is in the galaxy that just raises cowboys. So, yeah, I, if you, I, I suspect if you love fighter pilots, mm-hmm. you'll probably be, be into it. I, I hear and that people who like the, the, X-wing books, the X-Wing books. Which I had never read. I yeah, like the idea way. of them, but I hadn't read them. I'm hoping going the, the reigning two books I'll really like. Yeah. This was just a slow burn. Yeah, good slow burn. Yeah, I mean, I might try it. But also, after the last two Thrawn books, I told myself I would not force myself to read books that I didn't have interest in in the beginning. Because I'm not going to try with Thrawn Treason. Treason, yep. Is that I'm excited one? for it. But yeah. That's oh, yeah. Me. I mean, people who like those yeah, books, yeah. obviously. That is me. I'm, I'm, I'm also glad you're excited that's, Also, Because that's like the last Thrawn content we'll get until they decide what, what's what him happened and, with him. What him and Ezra's yeah. little camping trip is. That is absolutely <laughs> true. Do they just sit around a campfire being like, alrighty. All right. Here we are, I guess. So, 
with that, I believe we can do our very quick wrap-up with our small discussions of A Crash of Fate and Black Spire. You've uh, read Crash of Fate, I've read Black Spire. Exactly. So. Because obviously, when given the choice, I asked to read the romance. Well, one. that's also why I offer that one first. Yeah. I, I, I know how this works. Also, <laughs> I get this dynamic. Also, because like, to me, like, Black Spire felt more immediately relevant to the whole Resistance mm-hmm. situation in the land. So I'm like, okay, I want to know what's up with Vibrati in the land, what's the state of the Resistance going on. Because that's also kind of our first look at, really, at the Resistance post-8. Mm-hmm. Not counting the little, like, Poe arc. Yeah. Which was a little bit, but not much. That was more just the immediate aftermath, immediate. not so much several months later, how are things? Mm-hmm. And so, like, where does, uh, without, if it, it if you don't consider it a spoiler, where does uh, Black Spire take, when does Black Spire take place? Uh, a few months, I forget exactly how many, but a few months after The Last Jedi. The Last Jedi, okay. Like, I mean, okay, there's an opening prologue, which is, like, right after Phasma. Yeah. Because Vi is the central character, uh, Cardinal. If you liked Cardinal and Phasma, he's in the book, going by his real oh, name hey. of Archix, Archix. And trying to, he's trying to, without getting too into it, he's kind of trying to deal with recovering and having, like, having actually a purpose. Now. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm glad Cardinal's still in the book, because actually when I see Vi walking around the parks, I've always wanted to ask her about Cardinal. But I'm a little bit afraid, because I don't, I don't want to seem like I'm challenging the actor yeah. about their Star Wars knowledge. But me, as, like, a person who really likes Cardinal... I want to talk to her about Cardinal because, like, at the same time, I'd probably, I'd, what I was—I probably wouldn't open the conversation with the Vi character that yeah. way so much as after the, like, then lead into it. Be like, you know, I've read your—I've read your file, and, yeah. and then kind of lead into it from there. Yeah, but. because I feel like the Vi actress would either be like, "Oh my God, is she trying to like show me up with knowledge?" Or she would be like, "Oh, I'm so excited! I I had to learn all of this, so I actually yeah. get to talk about it." Because like with Crash of Fate, it takes place in the. Same, it's after the destruction of the Hosnian system, um, so I would assume it's in the same same time period. It's where the First Order is just starting to be there. They're just mm-hmm. kind of discovering the Resistance. I wonder if they're happening around the same time, then. They might be, yeah. Because, I like, don't think Five makes an appearance, Has but... the First Order, like, just arrived? Yes. Okay, that's pretty much at the same time, then. Oh, yeah. Because, like, without getting into it, they show up partially because of I. Mm-hmm. Okay. That makes sense. I mean, that makes sense to what they do in the the parks as well the yeah. park show that they do because because kylo's under the impression that he's like i know a resistance by here and if there's a resistance by here that means other resistance people can be here which means <laughs> which means hello light bulb, light bulb. <laughs> yeah i figured it out even though we'll never walk the same pathway i just love that like in this canon land ray and kylo are like five feet away from each other but just have to barely miss each other <laughs> It's hilarious. It's the fun of having to bend theme park operations and story into one thing and having to make a Sometimes one has to give way for the other, and sometimes it's the other way around. Yeah. So how, how do you like Black Spire as an, a sequel to Phasma or as a tie-in to the two? As a se- I mean, it's hard to call it as so, mu- I mean, as so much a sequel to Phasma because so much of that book is, is about Phasma. Mm-hmm. Like, Vi and Cardinal is more of a, a, the, a background arching story mm-hmm. to it. So I I, want, I don't know if I could call it a sequel so much as a follow up. I mean, that sounds like the same thing. Yeah, it makes sense. So. But it's it because Phasma's not part of it. But I, in that sense, I do like it. it's this continuation of both Vi and Cardinal stories, mm-hmm. as well as kind of giving this idea of of you know how the Resistance even gets set up on Batu. Yeah. Why are they there? Or which is without getting to it, they're hiding. They need somewhere to hide. They yeah. need somewhere that has no strategic value to go to. Yeah. And then here's the first order. Here we are. Yeah. Makes sense. 
Because with uh, Crash of Fate, it is a little bit of a love story, but I do think first and foremost, at least with Crash of Fate, it's a tie-in to the park, which I, I would be curious how different people feel depending on if they've been to Batuu or not. And people like us who have been multiple times, so know Batuu fairly well, because they, well, at least with Crash and Fate, I will say the biggest nuisance of it for me was the product placement of the items, which is fun to a certain extent, but my personal favorite part of the book is when they talk about the people of Batuu, like mm-hmm. the Batuans, like, and how they're the friendliest people who will always help you out if you have any questions. And if you need to know more, you can look at the description of Disneyland cast member. Batuans. they're so nice. They're so nice. You can even check their name tag and go to City Hall on Main Street to tell us how good they were. <laughs> like, it was, it was really funny. And, and so I feel like a part of me would have enjoyed the book more if I hadn't been so brought up on Batu, yeah. so I didn't know every time they were like, oh, let's go get a Bespin Fizz. I didn't roll my eyes being like, oh my god. Yeah. Black Spire had some of that too, but it was mostly contained to early on in the book, mm-hmm. while when they're just kind of establishing what Black Spire Outpost is as a place and its kind of geography of where things are. And then it settles back into the rest of the actual story and less on hey, be sure to pick up a Ronto wrap. Yeah. Don't forget to get some of those smoked Kadu ribs from Docking Bay 7 Food and Cargo. <laughs> Literally... All of that is, like, hardcore in uh, Crash of Fate, too. So, but yeah, I I do think it's a a fun, it was a fun, easy read, because it is a for young adults, like, for high schoolers. And personally, the romance for me was a little vanilla and easy. Because they they definitely promoted it as it being star-crossed kind of lovers, I don't consider they, it. They made it more in a literal sense of, yeah, of, of physical separation. Oh, yeah. That's that's exactly what they meant. I'm like, oh, no. Th- everything worked out pretty easy for them. And it, it, the whole thing takes place in a very short amount of time. So it was, I think, things went pretty easy for them. It, it's just like a nice little inside story. Nice read little it. little romantic jaunt. Yeah. I definitely don't think it's not worth the read. I think it's worth the read. But it, I had a lot of hopes for this. And because I think I've been to Batu so much the constant callbacks to Batu products, things you can get at Disneyland, yeah. were a little much. I, th- I think Black Spire does a, does a pretty good job at least capturing the atmosphere mm-hmm. of being in the land. Though I told you on Twitter, uh, there's one bit towards the end, though, where, like, you know, the resistance, are gonna, the, the resistance that they've started to put together on Batu is going to have to confront what bit of First Order is still left on the planet at the time. Mm-hmm. And one of, one of the people who's kind of sided with them is one of the scrappers, one of the gatherers. And the gather goes to Savi and he's like, so we have all these lightsaber parts. Can't we like lend them? And Savi's like, no, we need to save these for something special and other people in the future. Yeah. We can't, you know, we shouldn't influence the force. We need to save these. Winks at the camera for 200 credits and an, an, an appointment at Savi's workshop. Make yours today. Which again, it, I get it. They need to have, have some sort of hand waving about why don't you just let the resistance use these? You use all the kyber crystals and lightsabers yeah. you have? Yeah. But it, but oh, and again, only because I've been there mm-hmm. and anyone else would be like, oh, that makes sense. He's a, he's very kind of forced to need, he doesn't want to tip the scales too much one or the other. Yeah. Also, Oga, the local crime boss has rules about, you know, not getting involved in things. Okay. I get it. Mm-hmm. But having been there, I'm like, I see what you're doing. See what you're doing here. I see what you're doing. I got you. I get, I'll have my 200 credits So one of my favorite things, because uh, I'm not, I, I'm probably Black Spire did this a little bit too, is 
when they're talking about having to go from a place like Doc Ondar's to the cantina and they talk about they have to get on a speeder to go from Doc's yeah. to Oga's. This which, is the funny thing because like in a book, a town can be, you can have the same layout, but imagine it's much bigger. It has bigger, to be way bigger. But, you know, big enough to actually be a town. Whereas, and, you know, you walk around the land and it feels like a town, but it's still a theme park land in that you can get from one side to the other in like a minute or two. Yeah. So the the walk from Olga's Cantina yeah. to Doc Ondar's or is 30 seconds, so you don't need to take a speeder. the ruins where the resistance base yeah. is to the junkyard. No, you don't. Yeah, it, you know. it takes like two minutes yeah. at most. <laughs> but again, it's a book. They want, they need, for the sake of a book, you, they need to oh, imagine yeah, as a bigger, wider it. place. Yeah. And that's, again, that's fine. Yeah, because the rest of this, that pathway to the resistance area is definitely supposed to, quote unquote, represent miles of land. Yeah, so it's not so much a couple swerves and you're there. And you're there. Yeah, because the, uh, the resistance needs to stay. It's supposed to be far away from where the first order yeah. is. So yeah, I definitely recommend, I do recommend Crash of Fate, despite uh, it not fulfilling my expectations, but I had stupidly high expectations for it personally. But I do think it's a, it's a fun, easy read for those of you who are looking for some nice summer reading. And, then... yeah, and I, I do recommend Black Spire. Or it's, it's got a, it's just a sort of a fun sort of spy adventure in this sort of, you know, seedy town. Oga, you don't see her a ton, but she's a fun character. Mm-hmm. She's the local crime boss who doesn't, and she doesn't give a crap. She's. I still just need I, to know what she looks like. We don't know. She's some. She's a new species. Yeah. But no, Oga's a Oga's a fun character because Vi very quickly realizes. Okay, this summer there's no point in lying to. She'll see through. It's be, it's better that I just be a straight shooter with this person <laughs> rather than bullshitter. Yeah, I'm looking forward to reading Black Spire because we have officially book exchanged. Yes. Um, but yeah, I think that's going to wrap up for today's episode. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Who Talks First. Thank you very much, Ian, for joining us today. I'm one of your hosts. I'm CT. And if you want to have any plugs before you go. I already mentioned YouTube at the start, but if you want to, to your own risk, follow my Twitter. It's at C-Y-D-O-N-P-R-A-X or Side on Prax. I talk, I will tweet out Star Wars, a lot of theme park tweeting, but also, also my own politic views. So if you don't want that, just don't follow it. It's okay. It's fine. Thank you for listening to another episode, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.